from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulet, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with David Langness on January 2, 2017. Baha'iteachings.org is a collection of essays on innumerable topics providing an individual Baha'i's perspective on contemporary issues. David writes and edits for Baha'iteachings.org and was a journalist and literary critic for Paste Magazine previously. He discusses how the site began, its content, and his work as managing editor. I started the interview by asking David where he grew up and what was it like growing up there. I grew up in the Northwest. I was born in Portland, Oregon, and grew up mostly in a little town, a little farming town called Moses Lake, Washington. Grew up on a farm and had all the chores that farm boys typically do. And what was religious life like growing up? I'm Norwegian. My parents uh, come from Norway, although I'm American by birth, of course. Like all Norwegians, we were Lutherans. I was raised as a Lutheran. Even though my parents were not very religious at all, they had promised my grandparents when I was born that they would raise me as a Lutheran. I'm the oldest of five kids. They tried to do that, but I rebelled. By the age of 12, I didn't consider myself a Lutheran at all. I, I asked too many questions during my confirmation classes. The minister called my mother and said, we're kicking your son out of confirmation classes because he asks too many questions. At that point, I really thought of myself as more of an agnostic, somebody who had lots of questions and not very many answers. And I embarked on a real spiritual search through all kinds of different traditions, Zen Buddhism, Hinduism, Sufi Islam. You know, I just read and tried to steep myself in various spiritual philosophies. And when I was 15, I found the Baha'i faith just by meeting some Baha'is through my work as a a civil rights activist in high school. It took me about three years, but I became a Baha'i at 18. And that was a long time ago, almost 50 years ago. My uh, four brothers and sisters subsequently all became Baha'is as well. So then you went to college after high school? I sure did. By that point, uh, my parents had moved to Arizona like Richard Pryor says, uh, my parents moved a lot when I was a kid, but I always found them. <laughs> so we had moved to Arizona, and I finished up high school there and, and then went to Arizona State University. I went for a year, decided to drop out and hitchhike around the United States. I did that for 12 months, was in 40 states during that trip, mostly did that to kind of get my own education about the nation. I was a citizen of, and also to teach the Baha'i faith. Uh, I was really interested in spreading the Baha'i message of peace and unity as much as I possibly could. As a result, 
Because I wasn't in school, this was 1969, I was drafted into the U.S. Army. Like all Baha'is, I registered as a conscientious objector. Baha'is serve in the military, but don't carry weapons or kill people. I was trained as a medic, as most conscientious objectors are, and sent to Vietnam. I spent 14 months there in the war during one of its most difficult periods, 1970 and 1971, luckily survived, came back and finished college after that. I noticed in your published works that you wrote in 1986 something called Revisiting Vietnam, a case for reading, quote unquote, those war books. Was that as a result of your experience in Vietnam? Very much so. I've worked as a literary critic for a good deal of my career, and some of the books that interest me the most are the ones that deal with war and and the experience that veterans and soldiers have in war. That's one of the most extreme human experiences imaginable, certainly was for me. I've retained a real interest in that. I've collected fiction about war for many years, have probably 400 volumes in my library on those subjects and read it compulsively. I also wrote an essay called The Baha'i Goes to War in a book called Circle of Peace, which kind of details my experience in Vietnam and my growing understanding of myself as a peaceful human being. That was uh, a real awakening for me at 19 and 20 years old, uh, learning that Great conflict calls upon everyone to make not only great sacrifices, but great spiritual decisions in their lives. And that's the place in war where you see the absolute worst that humanity has to offer and also often the absolute best. So when you said it, it's an impetus to making some significant spiritual decisions, what would those have been for you? For me, I struggled, of course, like everyone does who goes to war, to understand man's inhumanity to man, how we can be so cruel and indifferent to the suffering of others, and how we can inflict it on others. I saw friends of mine, young American boys, you know, teenagers really, inflict horrible suffering on others. And I saw them undergo horrible suffering themselves. That was an enormous struggle for me to try to understand how God could permit such terrible things to happen. I learned during that process that it wasn't God permitting it at all, that this was the result of human free will, that we all have that free will, and that we all decide at one point or another in our lives whether to treat other people kindly or with malice. And it's sort of consistent with the Baha'i teachings that I guess you incorporated in your life? Very much so. Um, The Baha'i teachings try to promulgate universal peace and do so starting with the individual, saying that it's the individual's responsibility to lead a spiritually informed existence and that that spiritually informed existence calls upon us to treat other human beings with love and kindness in every case, regardless of whether they're our friends or our enemies. 
what did you study when you were in school, in college? Uh, both my degrees, uh, undergraduate and graduate degrees are in English. Uh, I've always been a writer. I started out in my professional life as a journalist, uh, working for newspapers and magazines, and have continued that uh, with my work online for Baha'iTeachings.org. That's the big uh, global Baha'i website uh, that is dedicated to explaining the Baha'i teachings to anyone who's interested. So tell me about how Baha'i teachings came into being, the Baha'iTeachings.org site came into being. Uh, it was really founded by a, a close friend uh, named Payam Zamani. Payam is a an internet entrepreneur uh, based in Silicon Valley who has started and successfully led several different uh, web-based companies. He and his brother were the first, were really pioneers in Silicon Valley in the mid-90s when they established the first automotive website called AutoWeb, enormously successful and has led to many other sites. And, and Payam decided four years ago now, in 2012, that there was no good site for people on the web who wanted to learn about the Baha'i teachings. And so he founded Baha'iTeachings.org and did so just as a personal individual initiative. Then contacted me, it was the two of us and a couple of part-time engineers who really got it started at the beginning of 2012. It grew uh, into, I think, uh, the largest Baha'i website uh, in the world now, with only over 2 million uh, audience members, continues to grow exponentially. We now have about 3,000 individual, almost 3,000 individual essays online about the Baha'i faith from probably 200 different contributors. It spans the globe. We We've expanded it just recently to not just be in English, but also to be in Spanish and Farsi, the Persian language. We have plans to expand it soon to two other languages, Arabic and Mandarin. If someone were to approach the website, uh, what would they find? They're going to find a wide diversity of articles and essays, all kinds of material on the approach the Baha'i faith takes to just about every imaginable subject. I mean, there are things there on world peace, global governance, dreams, spiritual experiences that people have had when they've neared death, all kinds of subjects, pretty much every imaginable subject is covered on Baha'i teachings. So whatever a person's interest there's at least one essay there at this point that addresses that interest and relates it to the Baha'i teachings on that subject. It's a simple, easy portal for people to read that can explain the Baha'i take on a whole host of different issues. Now, I should say that every article has a disclaimer at the end of it that says, that this article is the opinion of the writer. Uh, these are not official Baha'i opinions by any means. 
they're simply the understanding of the individuals who write them. And that means that we've got a wide variety of opinion on the site. And that is exciting to people because they're able to look for the kinds of opinions that they understand and appreciate. It's not limited to any one particular approach. That also means, of course, because the Baha'i faith has no clergy, that it offers a wide space for the individual expression of, well, for individual free expression. I noticed on the website, Baha'iTeachings.org, that there are categories of essays. Right. And I was wondering how you or whoever established what the categories would be. Well, you know, we've made an attempt, uh, which we continually try to revise, to categorize our essays into certain vertical areas, uh, history, spirituality, political questions, race, etc. Those categories are really pretty arbitrary because many of our essays cross categories, as people will see when they read them. It's just one way of categorizing the increasingly large volume of work on the site. We've been in existence a little more than four years now, uh, this being the beginning of 2017 when we're recording this. We have several thousand essays on the site, so there's a wide variety of things that people can read on a huge span of topics. We've struggled in some cases to figure out a way to categorize those topics. Uh, we're still working on that. That's a work in progress, as is the entire site. Yeah, and I guess you also have a search engine. And how would that work for, for someone who wanted to explore BahaiTeachings.org? Yeah, we do. There's a search box right at the top of the homepage. And just plug in a topic. You can search for a particular writer there that you like. You can search for topics, very topical kinds of things. For instance, we just published three articles on Standing Rock and the protests there over water on the uh, Sioux Reservation, including one from a Baha'i who visited the protest site and reported on his impressions. So you could enter Standing Rock and you'd, those articles would come up. We've had an innumerable number of articles on global peacemaking efforts, on racial questions and, and racial conflicts. We've had an enormous number of articles on just spirituality and how to effectively address your own inner spirit in this very material world. There are a significant number of articles on the site about relationships, dating, marriage, etc., and how to sustain a healthy spiritual relationship with your partner. The site covers many, many different topics, and the search box can help people narrow that down. David, you're the managing editor of BahaiTeachings.org. Right. Uh, what does that entail for you, being the managing editor? It means that, you know, I'm responsible for the content on the site, for finding new contributors and writers, to writing articles myself, to editing all the articles that come in so that they're put into the proper format and they fit our length requirements and they don't repeat uh, what other 
articles have said, that's becoming increasingly difficult. My function really is to make sure that the content on the site is appropriate for our readers, is helpful to people, and inspires. And that really is the chief goal of the site. It's to inspire seekers to really look at and understand the Baha'i teachings and appreciate their depth and breadth. That's not an easy thing to do. I'll tell you, if, if you want to face all your inadequacies, try editing <laughs> all the articles about a world religion. That's uh, really a difficult task, and I fail at it often, but I keep trying. <laughs> so about how many articles do you receive in a given period of time that you have to edit? Our goal is to publish between two and three articles a day, new content. We would like to increase that over the next year or so to four or five articles a day. That only counts the ones that we publish in English. We're now beginning to publish many articles a day in Spanish and in Persian. So as we expand, that will grow. I expect that by the end of this year, 2017, we'll be publishing four to five articles a day. That, of course, is the size of a, a newspaper. And indeed, uh, that's how I've come to think of Baha'i teachings as, as a global Baha'i newspaper. We cover current events just like a newspaper does. We have editorial content just like a newspaper does. And we try to reflect the exigencies and issues of our time. So Baha'u'llah said at one point that in the future, the pages of rapidly appearing newspapers would become very important. And I think that, you know, on the web, uh, that certainly has come true now, especially at Baha'i Teachings. So it sounds like this is a full-time job for you. Uh, very much, 60 to 70 hours a week, usually every week, <laughs> day in and day out. It's a big job to manage that level of content and to continually try to make sure that it's of high quality, doesn't repeat itself, that it's interesting and compelling. All those are really, really hard tasks. But, you know, we have grown. We, we continue to increase our, our output and our level of content, and we hope that will go on. Were you ever an editor or a managing editor previous to BahaiTeachings.org? Yes, uh, I've been an editor at many different publications in my professional career. I've written for and edited at several different national magazines. I also ran all the publications uh, mm -hmm. for five years during my career at UCLA, the University of California at Los Angeles. Uh, all their publications, 14 of them. That's been my job for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I dearly love and really have dedicated my entire professional career to. So it sort of had prepared you for this work at BahaiTeachings.org then? I think so, surprisingly enough, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I never thought, I never imagined that I would get the opportunity to combine my professional work, writing and editing, with the faith that I love so much. But events conspired to make that happen, and it's, it's an enormous privilege. I can't overstate that. 
to be able to speak to the world to hundreds of thousands if not millions of people about this advent of, of a new faith in the world is just a remarkable privilege. I'm grateful for it every day. Unfortunately, a power outage due to a snowstorm interrupted our interview and prevented me from thanking David for taking the time to tell us about BahaiTeachings.org. I hope you enjoyed that interview with David Langness, who is Managing Editor for BahaiTeachings.org. You can find this interview and other interviews at abahaiperspective.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. Lonely in the presence of the friend.
بلکه همش رو میکنی یالا آره یالا زود باش کار داری میخوایم بریم زود باش به جا از اول کاره آره برادر کلک همش رو
Why dost thou bring thyself down to poverty?
Quédate con la alegría, con la alegría de tu corazón. Regocíjate con la alegría, con la alegría de tu corazón. My power 
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.